peace that comes from wherever you go, wherever you are. It's not the absence of conflict, but there is something that dwells inside of you with the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in you that you just know no matter the circumstances, God's got this. God's got this. And I know...
from an old rugged cross Why don't you stand with me, please, as we honor his word. Acts 24 and verse number 1 says, And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended from the el- with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that we by thee enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, notwithstanding, that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldst hear us of thy clemency a few words, for we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout all the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also hath gone about to profane the temple whom we took, and would have judged according to our law, but the chief captain Lysias came upon us with great violence, took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Heavenly Father, we look at a time of persecution a time of great trial in the life of Paul where he is forced to defend himself. In the United States of America, we live in a free country where we're not called on to defend ourselves very often. Those instances do take place. But we are reminded that our hope, our peace, our joy, our faith, our trust, our future is invested in you, and we will not surrender that. Remind us of those things this morning, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Our text is John 10.10, 10, our key verse in this series that we've been talking about, about the thief. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Now, obviously, Satan, as you walk with the Lord, is looking to steal some things from you. He wants to take away your faith and trust that you got at salvation. There was a time in your life, if you know Christ as your personal Savior, where you looked at the message of the gospel, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is nothing good in us. We cannot make our work our way to heaven. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Obviously, we have fallen short. We also know that the Bible teaches not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So you can't get there on your own. There's nothing you can do. You will always fall short. You recognize that. You know that you're a sinner. And as a sinner, you're responsible for your sins. And you can stand before God and say, I'll cover my own bill. Thank you. You can if you want. You will die and go to hell. On the other hand, you can take your sin debt, give it to Jesus Christ who paid for it on that old rugged cross that God just sang about, and he will become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he will take 
His sin, our sin, put it on himself, and he will take his righteousness and put it on me. And so when God sees Stan Griffin, he doesn't see that sinner that I am. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in me. And when he looks at me, he sees his son. That's amazing. That's the truth of the gospel. I have chosen to put my faith and trust in that, and Satan comes along, and he wants to change all that, and he does that primarily by lying. He wants to change the truth of God into a lie, and the Bible talks about that. Now, it's interesting to me, if, you, if you're in Acts chapter 24, go just over a few pages to Romans chapter 1. Uh, he does this primarily by changing the truth into a lie. Satan does. Satan teaches this craft... But there are those who happily carry the message. You wouldn't think you'd want to repeat a lie, but people do, and they're glad to. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 through 19, follow along with me as I read you these three verses that are so important. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's stop for just a second. If you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, say amen. amen. Wonderful. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that saves mankind. Nothing else can. It's the name of Jesus alone. Don't ever be ashamed of that name of Jesus. That is the key that will get you to heaven. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written... The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There's the ones right there. They've bought into the lie and they're glad to carry the lie. They hold the truth of God as it's something that's bad. Verse 19, because that which they may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. There is no one that will ever stand before God Almighty. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Everyone, billions of people will stand before God Almighty individually for themselves. And they won't be able to say, well, I would have been a Christian if not for Stan Griffin. He's a pathetic, low-life, no-good hypocrite. Well, they can say all they want about me. And I'd like to think that's not true. But even if it were, it won't matter. You will stand before God for yourself and no one else. And when you stand before God, he's going to look at you and he's going to want to know what you did with his son, Jesus Christ. That'll be the deal, whether you believed or whether you did not. And the Bible says that everyone that goes to hell will go because of their unbelief. Oh, there'll be other sins involved, but it will be the unbelief that condemned them. And so when you stand before the Lord, what truth are you going to believe? Satan's truth, which is a lie and father of it, or the truth of God's word? His son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that your sins could be forgiven. I've chosen to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and Satan loves to undermine the authority of the gospel. He preaches hate towards it. You don't have to look very often to see instances of that. There was a couple of them this week that I'd like to show you. Number one, the Ten Commandments were removed from a Kentucky courthouse. 
I'll just read you some highlights of the article. The Ten Commandments has been removed from a courthouse in Spencer County, Kentucky. A concerned citizen reported to the Freedom From Religion Foundation that the display made them queasy. The Freedom From Religion Foundation is a Wisconsin-based group of atheists. They say the Ten Commandments are unconstitutional and show government favoritism toward religion. The atheists say the Ten Commandments trigger those who do not share Christian or Jewish religious beliefs. Triggers them. I'm surprised they use the word trigger. <laughs> you know, that could, obviously, that's kind of a horrible thing. Trigger. The freedom from religion. We, you and I believe that we, in, we have freedom of religion in the United States of America. And the atheists believe that they should have freedom from religion. In other words, don't speak it, don't tell it, don't share it. They can't stand it. It triggers them. And it, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here, but it amuses me somewhat that they would be so triggered by something that does not exist. That they would be so triggered by a God that is not there. That they would be so bothered by some vaporous, vacuous thing that's not even out there. Why don't they just ignore us then, since we're just a bunch of idiots? But no, 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 no. Show me, this isn't in my notes, show me one great thing that atheists have done. What hospitals have they founded? What churches did they start? What benevolence funds have they put together and given to millions of people? Show me one good thing atheists have done for the cause of mankind other than try to destroy our joy and faith and trust in God Almighty. Something tells me the root cause of what they are pushing comes from Satan himself, the father of lies. They were also triggered this week by a prayer that was offered in Congress. We have that prayer, and I'd love for you to see it, see if it triggers you or not. Prayer will be offered by the guest chaplain, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, Chino, California. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, together we come before you in humility as a people in need of your forgiveness, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. For these 250 so years, our fathers in this Congress have prayed for your guidance and protection. And so we stand here in humble petition that you today might do the same, that this nation and its unparalleled constitution, your great gift to all freedom-loving people, might be renewed here and across this land as a beacon of hope to all who seek peace. I ask you today, Father, to bring to us a great awakening of righteousness and confidence in you, who alone is mighty to save. Hear my cry in this hour of great need that we might be humbly blessed before you in the repentance of our national sins. You, Almighty God, are the source of all wisdom, and there is no wisdom but that which comes from you. So please come upon those here who are the stewards over the business of our nation with your wisdom, which comes from above, and with your holy fear, knowing that your coming day of judgment 
draws near when all who have been and are now in authority will answer to you, the great judge of heaven and of earth, for the decisions that they make here in this place. I offer this prayer to you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our son, your Son, and our crucified Savior and resurrected Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, now you got to know they were triggered on that one. And there's a guy right there. I think I could attend his church, don't you? So, yeah, yeah, they just need to get over it, George. Well, let me tell you something. Satan is in the business of trying to undermine your faith and trust. He's also in the business of trying to get rid of your peace and joy. And obviously, our peace and joy comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said... Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you trust Christ as your personal Savior, your sins are forgiven, you have a home in heaven, but you're also given the gift of eternal peace that comes from wherever you go, wherever you are. It's not the absence of conflict, but there's something that dwells inside of you with the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in you that you just know no matter the circumstances, God's got this. God's got this. And I know some of you are going through tough times in your life. If you know Christ is your Savior, God's got this. If you do not, I'd encourage you to meet Christ, and then he would have this. But I can't imagine going through the storms of life without the presence of Christ and the promise of his peace that passes all understanding. Toby Keith died this week. I, I'm not a country and western guy. I was not familiar with him at all. But obviously I saw the news and I saw an article about him and I'll share that with you briefly in a minute. But so I decided I'd listen to a bunch of his songs. I got it with I'll 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 be the first I liked his stuff, you know. There was it was very entertaining. That's kind of the, the sound that I grew up with when I was young. And uh, I'll just throw one. Some of the songs, I liked, I liked most of them. I don't think they would increase my faith a great deal, but they were, they were very entertaining. Uh, he did a song called The List. If you've not heard that one, uh, I'd, I'd recommend that to you. But in the interview, and what made me look into him a little bit, was a couple of months ago, he said that I have come to terms with however this goes, that I'm all right with, I've, I've gotten my head around it. And then he used this phrase, I have a peace that passes all understanding. I have a peace that, you know, I, I think I read that in the book somewhere. Now, how great is it that regardless of your circumstances, even if you're looking at the end, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Satan wants you wailing, crying, fretting, angry, spiteful, road rage, all of that. He wants that. He wants the chaos. He wants the war. You can have war without Christ or you can have peace with him. I highly recommend the presence of Christ that brings peace. And so now for our text this morning, that's all by way of review. But he also... the. The, there's many things he wants to steal. We've only covered six of them. The last two we will cover will be, a, he wants to steal our future and hope. What we have to look forward to in Christ. 
It bothers him that we have a positive outlook. In Acts chapter 24, Paul has been arrested. We've read that. He's got this prosecutor named Tertullus who comes forward, and he, if you will, he says these, can I say suck up words? Am I supposed to? I don't know if you say that from the pulpit or not, but he's, he's just really kissing up to this this. Felix that is there, and I, you know, you're such a wonderful judge. You've done all these wonderful things, and I won't bore you with telling you what a great guy you are, so let me just tell you what a bad guy Paul is. We found him to be a pestilent fellow. He is a mover of sedition among the Jews, and he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. So basically, he hits the three Ps, the personal, the political, and the preaching of religion. And it's the wrong religion. In Acts chapter 4, if you go back, they were very quick and being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Oh, man, that triggers them. Maybe that's the title of the message today. Triggered. Triggered. And so they are accusing these things of Paul. That is in our opening text this morning. Go with me to verse number 10 of Acts chapter 24. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1183. And then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. I just want to say right here, he had some experience in judging some things, and Paul said, I recognize that this isn't your first rodeo. I know this isn't the first trial you've ever seen, and I know through experience I'm going to share some things with you that will make sense to you. He said, here we go. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet 12 days since I was here in Jerusalem. I've been around for 12 days. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogue, nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. They got nothing on me, and they know it. I've only been here 12 days. How much can a person get done in 12 days? You're certainly not going to overthrow the government in 12 days. And so here he is. At that point... Case closed. You've won. Shut up. Walk away. But no, no. Paul said, no, he can't stop there. Watch it, he goes on. But this I confess unto thee. You all know what I'm guilty of? This is where probably he stirred up some trouble. But this I confess that after the way which they call heresy, so worshiped by God my fathers, Believing that all things are written and the law and the prophets and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. Paul says, I have a hope toward God that there's going to be a resurrection, that there's a better day coming. Do you believe there's a better day coming, church? Do you believe there's a better day coming, church? I do. And Satan hates that. You know, suicide's going through the roof nowadays. You know why that happens? Bottom line, the thief cometh forth. But I never read a suicide note. I never see the story of that without thinking of John 10.10. The thief got him. Stole from him. How did he steal? He stole whatever it was that was precious to him to a point that he felt like his life was no longer valuable. And he'd be better off dead. 
Sad to say, Christians do the same thing. You know what? A Christian can believe a lie just as easy as a lost person can. Christian, you be careful what you're listening to. You be careful the intake that you have and the voices that you hear. And if they are contrary to God's word, and one thing the Christians make great errors on or a great time waster, Micah talked about some of the t- statistics that men, the 30 minutes that they spend a week with their family. Well, you know what? That's probably 30 minutes more than a lot of Christians spend it all in God's word. They neglect their Bible. The greatest thing you can do is be in this book on a regular basis, have truth through God's word infused into you, and then when you hear a lie, and we've all experienced this, I don't know what's wrong with that, but there's something wrong with that. You ever get that feeling? Now, I don't know where it is in my Bible, and I can't quite think, but God's Spirit in you, through the power of God's Word, gives you an ability to determine things. He gives you a sense. He gives you that that idea that, you know what, I don't know what that is. It's called discernment. And with discernment comes wisdom that you can see the difference between truth and error. Paul said, sirs, I believe God. Paul said the same thing in Acts chapter 27 in verse 25 when they're on a ship and it looks like they're all going to be killed. And he announced to them in the middle of the storm, sirs, I believe God, Acts 27, 25. How could Paul be so positive when it looks like everybody else is throwing in the towel? Well, let me just give you a little bit of his biography. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28 says he's talking about the things that he has been through. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I, forty stripes saved one. See, in Mosaic law, you could only whip a guy forty times. Forty lashes on his back if you went forty-one then you had to have the same thing done to you. So to be safe, they never lashed a guy 40 times. They always went 39. They wanted to make sure there was room for error in case someone had miscounted. Five times he had been whipped 39 times. You know, his back must have been a mess of scars and welts. Of the Jews, five times from the Jews, those are supposed to be the guys that were on his side, his own people. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of the churches. If I had been through all that... I would say, folks, I've not been called into the ministry. I resigned. I have missed it somewhere. Who says this is God's will? That's, not, that's certainly not American Christianity, I'll tell you that. Obviously, God's trying to tell me something. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, what do they say? You, when you, 
when you're getting the most flack, it's time to open the bomb doors. Well, there's a good chance that, that Paul was over the target with all the flack that he was getting. But I submit to you one of the reasons why he was so positive is because what he had been through, and he saw the faithfulness of God. And he still had a future and hope. We have people in this church going through tough times, and I always want to mention them in the service because I know they listen. We've been praying for Woody. So on three, say, hi, Woody. One, two, no, no, no. I, gotta, I said on three. Listen to me when I'm talking. <laughs> hi, Woody. One, two, three. Hi, Woody. Excellent. Good job. Your dad is how old? 96-year-old, our preacher, Brother Carl Lingstrom's 96 years old. He can't get out like he used to, but I'm sure he listens to us. So we're going to, on three, it's hello, preacher. One, two, three, hello, preacher. Now, those two guys right there, and there's many of them, their faith has been tested. Woody's wife, Becky, is at his bedside all the time, hoping he'll recover. Brain aneurysm. You know, there's, there's, and you and I sit here, we'll go home this afternoon, relax, come to church this evening, go home, see the second half of the Super Bowl tonight, you know, all those things that go on, face it, folks, pretty much for those of us here, we are experiencing good days. There are those that are not. Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer... Uh, Father, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, Satan wants to tempt you. God tests you. And it can happen in both things. God will allow a test to come into your life, and Satan will tempt you by saying, See, your God's not real. Satan always lies. God is allowing the test to hone us, to make us stronger, to refine us, to give us a testimony that looks like the Apostle Paul. Satan says, if God's doing that to you, he doesn't love you, he doesn't care about you, he probably doesn't even exist. What voice are you going to listen to? I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that loves you, that sent his son to die for you, and there is nothing that can happen to you that your best days are ahead of you. You are moving forward. You can't stop, but you're headed to heaven with Jesus Christ. I like what C.S. Lewis says. There are far, far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. Huh? I love that. Hebrews 6.19 says, Which hope we have an anchor of the soul, steadfast and sure. We used to sing in one of our old hymn books, We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. See, all the old songs were, were seafaring songs, ships and shipwrecks and things, because you didn't get in a plane and fly. If you wanted to go somewhere, you got on a ship and you sailed. And the storms would come and trouble would come, and so great songs were written about that. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Now that's a song. That's a truth that you can listen to. Someone was telling the story of about a young boy that was dying, and they have done everything that they could, and he wasn't going to make it. We've all seen those situations, and we struggle with them, and we wonder what God is doing. And so the dad was there beside this boy, 
and he said, Daddy, I don't know what to think. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what's, how this is going to go. I don't want to die. And his father looked at him and he said, Don't you worry, son. When you die, all the pain will be over. You won't know anything. You won't think anything. It won't matter. Your battle will be over. You just hold on. Just hold on. Well, Dad, I'm afraid to die. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to think. He says, it doesn't, you don't have to think anything. You don't have to worry about anything. When you die, it'll just be over, and you'll be gone. And he says, well, Dad, you tell me to hold on, but there's nothing to hold on to. And for that wonderful atheist organization out there that is trying to free you from religion, that is the hiss of the snake. That is Satan lying to you. And let me tell you something. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You need him. He wants you. He's giving you every opportunity. If there are struggles in your life, if you are going through hard times right now, it is a very good chance that God Almighty is knocking on your heart's door and he wants to come in and he's creating a certain amount of chaos in your life so that you will listen to him and open your heart's door. He will do whatever it takes to get your attention because there's no chance you'll stand before God and say you did not know. Perhaps you're here this morning and you did not know. Well, now you know there's a God in heaven that loves you, and he wants you to call out to him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Satan's saying there's nothing to hold on to. He's a liar. There's a rock to hold on to, a God that never fails, who's always there, is incapable of mistakes. He's my friend. He's my Savior. He's my God. And if he's not yours... He can be.